On September 5th, 2014, a man sets off for a cache of supplies in the crazy mountains of northern Montana. He takes a wrong turn and he's never heard from again. In the years following, it's uncovered to be one of the most mysterious missing person cases of all time. You're listening to the Mysterious Bruce podcast, and tonight we bring you the case of Aaron Hedges. Somewhere in the bowels of Georgia. How you doing there? Slap. <laughs> I'm all right. I'm tired. I haven't I know, slept. man. Jesus Christ, I haven't worn out. Yeah, I haven't slept. I'm sore. It's just... I don't know, man. I got to go see somebody about my sleep disorder pretty soon. It's, get, it's getting out of hand. It's beyond insomnia at this point. But other than that, I'm doing all right. Well, we got a little uh, shout out on the Instagram. The Fierce Wolf Soul is from Slovakia. That is an amazing name, though. Seriously. And she says, fan from Slovakia here. I just finished with the newest episode, and I found the podcast like four months ago. I devoured every episode so fast. Keep it up. I'll be sticking around for sure. Thank you, Fierce Wolf Soul. We also got a shout out. From a gentleman in Australia, but he was reaching out, and I'm going to try to see if he can get a sticker. I told him he may get it by Christmas, but we're going to try that. <laughs> so we'll see how the U.S. Postal Service does international. We were, uh, thanks to the fierce wolf soul i guarantee but we were 62 in slovakia this week nice we're moving on up mm-hmm. we had some uh constructive criticism thrown our way this week we did and i'm not gonna i'm not criticizing the um the words that she said because that it was perfectly reasonable she was very well thought out and i agree with her wholeheartedly all i'm saying is to give us a three-star review when we said from the get-go that we could not possibly do more Murray justice. Basically, that just a little background on that. We'd been we knew we couldn't cover it all, and we didn't even try. I just wanted to talk about it. That's basically. I just bugged Arlo to the point where he's like, "Fuck it, man, let's do it. Let's just talk about it." And but she said, "I stumbled upon mysterious brews while on my constant and never-ending journey to absorb every inch of information available on Moore Murray. I have followed Murray's case from the very beginning, almost 17 years." I believe I've listened to every podcast available now. Tim and Lance with the Missing Moore Murray podcast have been a wealth of knowledge. Crime Junkie, yes. True Crime Garage did great. We Didn't Do It podcast just had Renner on and it was entertaining. Aaron Larkin doing 107 Degrees, now the Moore Murray podcast is okay. There are so many. I've read Renner's books twice. It's a good starting point. The Oxygen Special was great. It gave me different look, a different look at things. Seeing all the actual locations... These are all recommended in this Moore Murray podcast as well. Coach and Arlo have fantastic Southern accents. I'm from Texas, easy to listen to. They are light and funny, and they started from the beginning. That would not, they would not be doing the case justice, but a decent overview, basically. First, I agree with Coach that Moore has started over somewhere. It started over somewhere safe for her. However, I was surprised at the facts that were obviously incorrect. The Red Cross cross call for one. 
and others that are very important to Moore's story that were left out completely. I hope the boys will give this one another go and do it upright. I mean, that's fair. That's accurate. But it's not fair when you compare us to two to three podcasts where that is their living. You know what I'm saying? Like, True Crime Garage makes their living. Uh, Tim and Lance, that's that's their job. Yeah, they, you know? they use that podcast to kick off their other ones. Yeah, we are... And then scored an oxygen network. <laughs> yeah, we work full time and choose the episode, the topic, sometimes two or three days before. You know, yeah. It's supposed to be a week before, but I mean, that's a fair assessment. I mean, she's not wrong. It's no, just, she's not. Gotta, and, and I appreciate, and we were talking about this off air, I appreciate how she worded hers. I just, like, she, you know, even though she started off the review by saying they said they wouldn't do it justice. We did, I mean... We were spitballing. We didn't have a lot of notes no, because no. we were just it's, running we were off just of basically off of our own personal knowledge, right? Right. Because we are also obsessed with that case. But I mean, that's fair. Whatever. Thank well, you, thank, thank you for your feedback. Yes, that's, I we, we really appreciate constructive criticism. Yeah, it, it could have been just like one star. You suck. Yeah. No, that was a great review. So thank you very much. Oh, I didn't give them credit for it. I'm sorry. That was from OU Sooner Girl from Texas, and we actually missed that. That was. I don't know how I missed it, but it was a review from February 2nd. Yeah, and I don't see how, I don't, it didn't pop up on the little emails I get until this week, so it's crazy how So if you are listening, thank you for the constructive criticism. I just think that you should have considered all the information (laughs) before you gave us three stars. But again, (laughs) thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Okay, so today we are drinking what's a Lost Trail Imperial Double IPA, so we're not going to be drinking much of it. <laughs> no, because it, it is Sunday afternoon. Yeah, it's Sunday afternoon. We both have to work tomorrow. So, But it is from Jackrabbit Brewing Company in somewhere in California, what, Sacramento, California. But Well, I will say that we were able to procure this from our longtime friend, Kimmy B, if she's listening, thank you, Kimmy B. She's awesome. But uh, again, these are nice. If you get some, make sure you stay home. If you have more than one, yeah, they sell them in four packs for a reason. Because you ain't going get <laughs> six will be too many. All right, so let's jump into it. Okay. So, as we've stated. We are just we keep topping ourselves when it comes to strange cases. Like there is no shortage of mysterious shit going on in this world. That's something I have learned. But this one makes no sense to the point where it's pretty much the main missing four one one case. If you don't know what the missing four one one is. This one and the one that happened in the Great Smoky Mountains back in the 60s or yeah. 70s, those are the two. That one in Dior. Yeah. Dior Coons. Yeah. Those three are pretty much the main missing 411 cases. And this one is insane. Yep. And it entails Mr. Aaron Joseph Hedges. He was a 38-year-old hunter from Bozeman, Montana. He went elk hunting in the Crazy Mountains in Montana in early September 2014 with his two friends, Greg Leitner of Idaho and Joseph Depew of Bozeman. The hunters began their planned week-long trip at the Cottonwood Lake Trailhead on Thursday, September the 3rd, 2014. Around 20 miles north 
of Billings is where this trailhead is at. Hedges carried a bow and arrows as well as a handgun in his pack, whereas his two friends were both armed with rifles. Mm -hmm. They intended to base camp around Campfire Lake, and the group had two horses and a mule, but Aaron walked in. The men were in good spirits, looking forward to their excursion, and things were going smoothly as they headed towards their campsite near Campfire Lake. But they hit an obstacle when their mule got spooked, and it sounds like, from what you breed, this mule goes batshit crazy, bucks, and somehow loses stuff off the pack, and the one thing that rolls over the edge of a cliff is Hedge's sleeping bag. But, fortunate for them, they had used another hunting camp that the previous year and loaded it up with an emergency cache of extra stuff just in case they were out there and ever needed it. Among those supplies that were at that, say, satellite camp were extra sleeping bags. So on September the 5th, Aaron decided to make the trek up the trail towards the place near Sunlight Lake where they had their stash. It was not a very rough trail or a very long distance for Aaron. Keep in mind, he had just walked in behind two horses and a mule. So the man's in pretty good shape. So this is not something that would set off any alarm bells. No, and he's a hunter that typically goes hunting every single solitary weekend in these mountains. And a little bit about the Crazy Mountains, which is a kick-ass name. They happen to be the youngest mountain range in North America. They are not attached to the Rockies in any way. They are standalone source of mountains. So, and they're not very big. No, they're not. Like, it would be for a fit man. It would be very difficult for him to get completely, utterly lost in these mountains without being found at all. Now, Aaron would take off, like we said, heading towards the the cache of extra supplies, and he would have a walkie-talkie, a cell phone, his handgun, and his bow. And the other two men didn't think anything of it, and he had told the other two that he was just going up there to grab the supplies and he would be back before nightfall. So no one was worried or stressed as he left their camp headed to pick up that extra sleeping bag. Unfortunately, this would be the last time anyone saw Aaron alive. So night came, and there's no sign of Aaron. And the next day, he still has not turned up. His two friends tried several times to call him on the walkie-talkie, but there was no response. They're not very worried at this point because he is an avid outdoorsman again. So there's no real reason to be worried. Maybe he, on his way up there, he searched and found there was an elk, and he decided to stalk it and track it and kill it. Now, from what it what you read is either they had separate GPS systems or the walkie-talkie system they had was equipped with GPS. It is. It was a Garmin. Um, I can't remember exactly. But, yeah, when you talk to each other, it shows your location on a map. So his two friends would look at the GPS, and it would show that Aaron had missed a fork in the trail that he was supposed to take to find the cache of extra supplies. And it had... Aaron labeled as being on the very edge of the screen. 
So they waited around the area for several more days, hoping that he would find his way back to them, but there was no further word or signs of Aaron. And they finally report him missing on September the 8th. Little news nugget here. They didn't report him missing. They contacted his wife, who in turn contacted the authorities. Oh, wow. Yeah. Now, according to his friends, he had radioed them to report that he did, in fact, miss the turnoff. And he reportedly said, quote, didn't know where I was. This is what they assume when his GPS is pinged and they saw that he was on the edge of the screen. Mm -hmm. And they told him to just turn around and head back to the camp that they were at, and then they would all three go up there. But again, that's it. That's the last conversation, dealings with Aaron that they would have. Now, the the fork that he missed, it is extremely hard to miss. Like, when on the uh, Missing 411 documentary, The Hunted, they fly over it in a helicopter, and you can clearly see the fork from a helicopter. So how he missed this is definitely a mystery. Yeah, and the thing is, he, again, has a GPS system with him. And that camp, that extra camp or satellite camp is marked on the system. Mm-hmm. And it, like Coach said, it is a, it's a very visible you know, delineated trail that forks and he should have taken the left to the camp, but instead he had gone to the right away mm. from the camp. So a search was mounted after he is reported missing by his wife. And there was a tremendous effort by search and rescue, but a snowstorm had hit the area and they had called in helicopters who had infrared equipment. They had horses. They had 20 tracking dog teams, 20 yeah. teams of dogs. And essentially, the the path that he took, he was in one county, and when he was last pinged, he was in another county. So both counties in Montana search for him, and they essentially start at each point and meet in the middle. And there's nowhere for him to go without being found. There's no explanation of how this person couldn't have been found. So on the second day of the search... Well, hold on. It's important to point out that those 20 dog teams did not get a scent. They could not track right. him at all. They never did pick up his scent. The infrared did not get any heat signatures. Nothing. And if you've watched the 411 missing the hunted... They show, like Coach said, they fly over. I think it's in the spring that they fly over, so you can see the trail real easily. But it's it's right there above the tree level. There's not, I mean, it's just rock and scrub. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're not, there's not a lot of places that a person could hide and not be seen by infrared or be tracked by dogs. Mm-hmm. So on the second day, by a creek just east of Sunlight Lake, they found what looked like, an attempt to make camp. There was a partially burnt fire that was started by using a pack of cigarettes, and they found a water bladder that they figured out was Aaron's that he had been carrying in his pack. They found the waist straps of his backpack, and the odd thing is 
they find his boots neatly side by side on the ground as if they had carefully been removed and placed there. Mm -hmm. And the crazy thing is, and this is indicative of missing 411 cases, the site was found in an area where search teams had just searched the previous day without finding anything. Mm -hmm. And it was also considered odd that he would have taken his shoes off with the snowstorm that had just hit. Considering that the low on those nights were, I think it was in the teens, way below freezing. Well, let's let's cover the paradoxical um, undressing already. Let's just go ahead and get that out of the way. People that are hypothermic, which is going to be their assumption with Aaron, paradoxically strip their clothing off because one of the last uh, sensations of hypothermia is extreme heat in your extremities before they just die off. But he only shed his boots. So I can't, I mean, I can think that maybe it was just his feet that were hypothermic, but how could it have just been his feet? And when you look at the terrain of this trail, it is loose shale rock. So not only is he shoeless, well, I'm saying not only is there two feet of snow on the ground that's going to just kill your feet, every step you take, in the documentary it's described, every step you take, you take one step forward and you slide two steps back on sharp, flat rocks, essentially skipping stones. You will tear your feet apart. Like. His feet would have been shredded. So a very experienced outdoorsman probably knew about paradoxical undressing. He probably knew about that. And he knew that he would tear his feet up. So and there's no reason for him to take his shoes off. The None. distance from, from the fork to where the camp's at, well, where they find his shoes, is either just over or just under the same distance it would have taken him to just turn around and head back to the main camp where his buddies were at. The other strange thing is the tracking dogs passed through the area and never picked up his scent. Nowhere. The trail where the, you know, they had just searched that area. They didn't find the campfire. They didn't find his boots till the day later. This was the only trace that they would find during the initial search of Aaron. And it was like he had just vanished into thin air. Yeah, there was no trail to go cold. There was no trail at all. Right. In the Montana Pioneer newspaper there is an article titled missing in the crazies and i will post a link to that on our social media but there's a man in there he is last name is hamilton and i'll just read this to you it says quote by the time we were notified and were able to spin up the weather had hit so we're dealing with two feet of snow in the mountains the continuing storm made air searching difficult for the first day or two actually it was impossible Search crews entered from the Park County side, focusing their efforts on the area that stretches from Cottonwood Lake Trail to Trespass Creek. And according to authorities, the hunters had began their trip or begun their trip at Cottonwood Lake Trailhead. And he, and he re reiterates, we got two feet of snow and it was snowing hard. His name is Todd Hamilton. We actually deployed a horse team based on what we had initially. They made it as far as they could, maybe even farther than they should have, and they had to turn around because it was snowing so hard and the temperature had dropped 35 degrees. It was tough, very cold, and very wet. The lows were in the teens that night. 
The horse team got back well after dark, but we didn't search in the darkness in the snow because that's not very safe. The horse team was our initial response, but we added dog teams and foot teams the next day. The effort, according to Park and Sweetgrass Counties, exhaustively searched the crazy mountains east of Walsall and included, like we stated earlier, 20 dog teams, seven horse teams, 59 ground searchers, and a National Guard and private helicopters all equipped with night vision equipment and spotlights. With all that listed, there's just no way you don't find him. There's nowhere for him to go. Though it is an extremely remote, you, you're not going to get off trail. You're just not. It's very, very rugged terrain. So they search for approximately 14 days. So basically around September the 22nd, they decide to scale back the search until they have anything else to go on. So fast forward nine months, and we're looking in June of 2015. And there's a, a man named Roger Beslanowicz. And he was staying with relatives at a place called Rain Anchor Ranch. And he took a walk to the top of a nearby ridge and came across, quote, someone's outdoor gear. It included a backpack that had a cell phone, an orange hunting vest, a bow, clothes, a hunting license, and some scattered wrappers from granola bars. Stranger still was at the head of the ridge, there was also a thermos cup placed on a rock along with an open energy drink nearby. Roger would report that he had been sure there had to be a body somewhere, but he could not find one. Just those belongings eerily piled up against a tree. When it was found, though, the hunting and driver's license in the pack stated that they were Aaron Hedges. So the authorities jump all over this. This is their new lead. And so they, you know, go out to that area, but they could not find any trace of human remains. And Bislanovich is stated, quote, my son-in-law was going to fix some fence and it was kind of steep. So I dropped him off at the top and his son-in-law's name, Charlie Ryan. And that's where the ranch gets its name from. Crazy. Mm. Quote, it was going to take a while for him to get done fixing the fence. So I had some time to kill. He told me if I wanted to look at a beautiful view to go on top of the ridge, and I did. After taking in the look, the overlook, he decided to take a shortcut through a stand of timber, and that's when he spotted an orange hunting vest as well as the backpack and clothing. His initial fear was he thought someone got mauled by a bear. And he states, My first thought when I saw the clothes piled up against a tree, I just knew there was going to be a body there. There's a lot of bear activity where they flipped the rocks over to eat bugs underneath. I just knew there was going to be a body, but there wasn't. So he takes inventory of the scene, like we said, and he, you know, the bow's there, the backpack's there, socks, shirts, sweatpants, even a vest. The backpack had holes in it, which he would think that small varmints would have caused. The wrappers from the granola bars, along with some other debris, were scattered around. And he states, I thought some out-of-state hunter got cold and disoriented and wanted to go home, but he couldn't find his stuff. So I gathered it all up to put it in the backpack to haul it back out. When I was just about done, I saw a piece of paper, and it was part of his license, and it had his name on it. It said Bozeman, Montana. Now, here is where the newspaper article 
puts forth the conjecture, and it says, If in fact the gear had been left among the trees by Aaron, he would not have been that far from possible rescue. By the way the crow flies, he was within a couple of miles and could actually visibly see the main ranch house. Yeah, he's overlooking rescue. And also, and another thing that people don't really... When I saw it, when I saw the documentary and all the information, I was like, what the hell? But nobody really talks about the significance of the fact that the water bottle was sitting upright. This was nine months later. So you're telling me for nine months there was not any type of weather, wind, rain? There was nothing strong enough to push over a water bottle? Well, the other thing is the energy drink is it's half full. Yeah, it's still there. It's not evaporated. It's not been yeah, exactly. taken by ants. It's not been, you know. Yeah, there wasn't bugs everywhere. There was. It was just, it was sitting there, and it was described by the sheriff as if somebody just sat down and had a cup of tea. We're yeah. Talking nine months later, this, it's still sitting there. It's that's insane. Like how how is that even possible? Now his remains would be found which were 15 miles from where he had last been seen at that makeshift campsite. And this is going to happen a y- another year yeah. after the discovery of the water bottle. So we're talking June of 2015. So fast forward another year. So we're into 26, the summer yeah. of 2016. August 2016. Now, that's six miles from where his boots had been found. So he's 15 miles from the original camp where they find this backpack in the energy drink and all that stuff. Yeah, essentially 11 miles as the crow flies, but as the crow flies not over that. You can't you can't just walk straight line to uh where he was found. Basically, this states that he had somehow hiked through snow-packed wilderness without his boots along a route that had no major defined trails. And in the documentary you can see in the flyover, that trail once they get past the makeshift campsite where his boots are found, it's very hard to make out any type of trail. It's Mm -hmm. just, you could go left or right anyway. It's just loose, like you said, loose shell. And what makes it even weirder was the area in which they found his remains was like his backpack. It was within eyesight of that ranch, but it was also right next to a frequently used road, which means he would have been right there at safety. But he never made it. Yeah, it just doesn't make any sense. And obviously, if you go by the clues that were left, he had stopped to take a drink on that ridge, which would have been, he would have been able to clearly see the main ranch house. So why shed his clothes and not head for the ranch? Mm -hmm. So if the hunters had began their trip like we stated from Cottonwood Lake Trailhead on the west side of the mountains and Aaron was headed for Sunlight Lake to the north the question is how did he end up on the east side of the mountain range the distance he would have had to cover was roughly 15 miles most of that off trail and according to Ronenberg everything off that trail is just nasty. There's rocks, underbrush, slide rocks, slip rocks. It gets tough to get around when you're off that trail. You don't have to be very far off the trail when you're in it. 
with a huge snowstorm coming, he somehow decided to travel east along the sweet grass drainage, which would have presented a considerable challenge for the for even the most experienced outdoorsman, and Aaron would be almost certain to lose radio contact heading east. Now let's go back to the fork in the the trail just to give you a sense of how screwed up this really is. We had stated that it was clearly visible. It was clearly visible when he went missing. It was clear it was even visible in when the sn- two feet of snow came. He had on him a GPS system. And instead of going left to the camp, he decides to go right away from the satellite camp and not back towards the original camp. He walks somehow six miles over rough terrain, takes his boots off, and there's no explanation for it. There's no reason for him to have missed the turn. I mean, it's completely visible. It is, I mean, it's a literal fork. It is a left or a right. That's it. There's, and he knew, the, like, he knew this trail. He knew going yeah. right was not the right option. And even if he did somehow miss it, eventually you're going to have to, he'd have to realize he missed it. Yeah, because the trail basically ends. Yeah. And then we go back to the fact that the dogs had searched that area and never found anything. Searchers on horseback and helicopters from the air searched that area, did not see anything. And then a day later, all of a sudden, they find this makeshift campfire. Yeah. It was like six days later, right? Six days after he disappeared, right? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. A day later after they searched, right, that's what they I was stumble about. upon a camp that, I mean, I don't know, man. This just, we mentioned uh, several times uh, the missing 411, and I just wanted to point out that the reason why this is one of the main ones. So the missing 411 is basically missing people in national parks, but they have to meet a very specific criteria. Like he doesn't just take, oh, there's a missing person. He eliminates all, it's David Politis is his name. He eliminates anything that resembles animal predation, not a missing 411, uh, suicidal or homicidal. Not a missing 411. Mental instability. Not a missing 411. But what do, what do, what do, what does qualify a missing 411? It has to meet several of these criteria. Not all, but several. Is there eight or 12 of them? Uh, looks like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Okay. Eleven. There's a point of separation, which is pretty much. The number one of all of them. And most of them are, when he talks of point of separation, it is you're in a group, someone has visual, you know, they have eyesight on you, and you either, I'm going to go right around this, or you're in the back, and then they turn around and you're You're, gone. You're in front of them, a little bit ahead, or you're a little bit behind, but they see you, and then all of a sudden they don't see you anymore. With Aaron's case, the point of separation is him walking to, it has a very specific time of disappearance, typically in the afternoon, near boulder fields, near water. There's almost always a weather event after. Check, check, check. The person, not a mental disability, but has a disability or an illness, but not, you know, to the point where they're suicidal. That's that's what eliminates that. Canines cannot track. Check. Found in an area previously searched. Check. 
has missing clothing. Check. An unknown cause of death. Check, because it has never <laughs> been determined what his cause of death actually was. And then there's geog- geographical clustering, which doesn't really fit in this case. But see, again, you don't have to have... No, but we checked off six or seven. Yeah. I mean... Now, like Coach said, there's theories out there that it was hypothermia, but again, we've kind of just thrown that one out the the window. One theory that is out there, and this is a fringe theory, and I'm not saying that I agree with this at all, but it is a fringe theory. And it has been stated on the comment section of many news articles. Uh, There's some other websites out there that you could get behind a paywall to see how they explain it, and I didn't. I was about to say, so therefore we don't know. <laughs> right. Uh, it's on Reddit, but the theory is that he may have been, have intentionally avoided search party teams and that ranch in order to cover up the fact that he and his friends may have been hunting in off-limit areas and or poaching. And from what I could read... This theory is based on the fact of where they were at in the crazies. Most all of the elk herds are on private land. And if you're going to actually take an elk, you are going to have to cross over onto private land and either have landowner permission, which you're not going to know until you find them, or you're going to have to poach them off private land. So that's where that theory comes in. Another theory that was out there was that he had somehow passed into another dimension or through a portal. There is a Reddit user on the Missing 411 forum called Dapper Winner, and he explains his theory, and this is straight from him. The turn in the path. Aaron left his hunting buddies to go to a cache that was a hike away. There was a visible path and a clear turn for him to ascend up and get to the cache. What I believe happened is somewhere just before that turn or on it, he passed over into another dimensional reality. It was getting late and his friends tried to call him over the walkie-talkie and they did ping his GPS. Now at this point, somehow I think for a split minute or so, he flickered back into this reality in just enough time for the GPS to go off and then flickered back out. He states, I'm no expert on this stuff, so forgive my terms. The boots, the search and rescue had been called, They had, and they combed the area for him. Dogs also could not get a scent. Now, with the dogs, I believe the reason why they could not find one is because he literally was not there. He is in some other dimensional reality overlapping our own. Further in the case, they find his boots and other items after they combed a particular area by the ridgeline. Similar things have happened in other 411 cases, so we came up with a theory that what what if his items have somehow rematerialized back into our reality? Let's say that in the dimension he is in, whatever bad weather is happening in ours, a.k.a. the snow, is not happening where he is. So perhaps he has a rest, takes his boots off to rest his feet. Somehow those items reappear reappear back in our reality and he loses them. This would explain why his boots were found just set there as if someone had placed them. Because they actually were. The pack, months pass and 
the and then somebody finds Aaron Hedge's backpack and drinking equipment overlooking a property with human houses and structures visible. Let's say Aaron did make his way to this place, and I think he knew where he was going, expecting to find these people's property. But here's the thing. They weren't physically there in that other reality. He made his way to that ridgeline expecting to find houses, but did not. And again, his items have somehow rematerialized back into this reality where they were found by a neighbor. Now, this is where the speculation gets a little crazy, not like any of that other shit was crazy. He says the people that he goes over cases with, and he said, we theorize that what if the alternate reality he stumbled into, time flows differently. As they found his pack a year or so later, what if wherever he is, it's only like a day or two for him being lost, but in our reality, a year has passed. As I said, it's just speculation on my part, but I find it hard to believe a backpack containing food was sitting there perfectly for a year for someone to discover without it being ravaged by wildlife. See, to me, I would just be like, oh, that is complete and utter bullcrap, but you can't explain it any other way. No, and it kind of makes you sense really with maybe time doesn't, with he, when he stated time doesn't flow the same way, and it's almost like if you're, if he doesn't have the materials on him, then they kind of blink out. So as long as he's physically in his clothes or his, mm-hmm. or he's touching something, they're with him. But once he sets them down, it's gone. Yeah. So another theory is that since his backpack and bow was found on private property and reading some news articles that these that him and his buddies kind of had a reputation for trespassing or poaching on private land. Now, this person who I believe is anonymous, yes, that does not have a name with it, states, I live and guide in Montana. I've hunted and guided close to this general area. Most of the elk stick to private land or right on the border. Obviously, these guys knew this. So could it be that he intentionally set out to head the direction towards the ranch? Say he went to his cache of gear then decided to head down the trail instead of returning to camp. Easily could have grabbed another pair of boots at this cache. He radios his partners of the plan and heads out. Would that's, This would explain why they didn't raise the alarm till a couple of days later. Obviously, they wouldn't want to possibly incriminate themselves by telling the law of the speculated plan to look for elk on private land. I think he spot camped where they found his boots, hydration bladder, and fire ring. His boots were probably soaked, so he left them next to the fire to dry, and searchers didn't find them because they were buried in snow the first time they were there. He then headed off to continue down the trail. So back to the pack, I think Aaron is fine at that point, perhaps looking for elk. He sets his pack and gear down to scout around and look for elk, hence why the orange vest was there so he could find it again. Not sure why he would leave his bow at this point. Maybe this is when everything started to go wrong. His body was recovered about a half a mile from his pack. I think it was some accident or predation. Ranchers can be pretty damn hostile if you get caught trespassing or hunting on their land. I am doubtful a landowner would use violence or on a trespasser, though. Hold at gunpoint and wait for authorities is more realistic. Yeah, that's very more realistic to me. Yeah. Maybe he saw a landowner coming and stashed his bow so he could say he wasn't a hunter. 
Maybe he was just looking for some elk, and if caught, didn't want to be armed so he could say he wasn't a hunter. Oh, that makes sense. Maybe he bumped into a bear and was mauled, which we know that's not true because none of his remains showed any signs of trauma. Well, they did not find his feet, so... True. (laughs) It's unfortunately pretty common in Montana. Lots of hunters surprise bears. His remains were scattered out, so the evidence supports some type of wildlife scavenging on the carcass. Now, this is just all speculation after I watched the 411 documentary and read a lot of news articles. My conclusion is he was looking for elk where he knew they would be and something went wrong. I do not believe he had hypothermia or was delusional when he dropped the pack that appeared to be stashed and the thermos slash energy drink on the rock. He either had a body injury or was attacked by a wild animal. They say his legs were never found, which we say his feet. They did find his legs. So he, he easily could have slipped or fallen and broken a leg or foot, then crawled against the tree where he basically died of exposure and they found his skull. I mean, this man goes forward and puts out some some decent logical explanation. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't it doesn't take into account I, I know he tries to rationalize not finding the boots because they were covered by snow, but if they were covered by snow, they would have been soaking wet when they found them the next day. Mm-hmm. And it's not, it's never it, well, as long as it's from what I researched, it never stated that that area was covered by snow. It just said they had searched that area and didn't see anything, and then all of a sudden there's a fire ring and the boots were there. So this guy posts this on Reddit. So another user, Reddit user, kind of dissects this whole thing that I just read. And so we'll go through it kind of line by line now. And so the original author says, so could it be that he intentionally set out to head the direction towards the ranch? So the new Reddit person says, okay, so we know he is an experienced hunter who has extensive knowledge of this area and that he is there to get an elk. The fork in the trail is clearly marked, so it's safe to assume that he is not lost. It is also safe to assume that the reason that he headed in the opposite direction of Sunlight Lake is because he was seeking elk. So the answer to the original poster's question is yes, he intentionally set out to head the direction towards the ranch where he said that elk was probably found on private property. The next point that this user dissects is where the original one says he easily could have grabbed another pair of boots. And again, that probably is correct. If you're going up there... If you're going to make an emergency stash, you're going to have not only provisions, food provisions, but you're going to have extra sleeping bags, extra water bladders, extra boots, socks, you know, those kind of things. So, again, that's not out of the question. The point where the original poster stated he radioed his partners of the plan and headed out would explain why he didn't raise, why they didn't raise the alarm until a couple of days later. This is where you have to assume that any time they go out and hunt elk up in the crazies, that they're out there poaching. I know that they were known, but I don't know if there was any documented where they had been busted. And that's a huge difference. You may be known as a poacher, and unless you're running off at the mouth and you just haven't gotten caught yet, it's going to be hard to prove that. So, again, you know... that kind of explains away why it took them a couple of days to call his wife, and they didn't report him missing. They got the wife to report him missing. 
I mean, that does make sense. Okay, so... But... I mean, they... what They were up there elk hunting. They stated their intentions. Where exactly was the private property that they couldn't hunt at? You know what I'm saying? Like, I guess they're talking about the... The, the actual ranch. The actual ranch where that guy's fixing the fence. Yeah. And the way it... it I've not seen a map of it, but just from the 411 documentary, where they, like, the camera angle shows where I think his pack's found, and you can clearly see that mm-hmm. house. Oh, yeah. You definitely can. And I think where the fence line's at is where it starts to go up into the mountain territory. So that may be where elks, you know, they're going up and then back down to graze. They're oh. going up and back down to graze. In the documentary, they interviewed the owner of that ranch, and he does not look like somebody who would give a two, two shits if I you're hunting on his property. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah, give me, give me some meat then. You yeah. Know? I mean, but, yeah, I don't know. Well, and the other guy that's on this Reddit thread even states, he said, I don't think any landowner in those two counties would kill someone for hunting on private property. They would probably either scare them off or, like the original author said, hold them at gun, gunpoint until the authorities came. The person dissecting the original post is in disagreement saying i think no i'm sorry he is in agreement stating that he did not have hypothermia and they think that the thermos and the energy drink kind of shows that he was attempting to set up another camp but i don't know i mean i mean they find food in the backpack yeah they find food that is a huge what the fuck like if this guy is out here stranded and starving why would he eat the food in his backpack he didn't even finish his drink like this is just doesn't make any sense none zero yeah i don't i don't i mean this whole this is like one of the crazier ones on that documentary i mean that there's another one in there about a little boy. Is that in that one or is that in the other one? No, that's the other one. Okay, sorry. First one. But yeah. yeah. No, 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 the one where he walks like 12 he's still miles. Got, yeah, he's still got the pant, corduroy pants. Yeah, 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 that's the first one still. Okay. Yeah, that one. He's found alive 12 miles later. In Face down, face in, the down in the snow. Yeah, that, that one's insane. But <laughs> speaking of that guy, they were like, man, we searched for you. And he's just like, uh. I was four. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it. Well, in the other... <laughs> There's another odd one with a group of hunters that set out to go elk hunting, and they kind of park on this knoll, and they all kind of disperse down a hill, and, like, one person goes back to the truck and is, like, got eyesight on this hunter, and he walks to a tree and then never found again. So that one's another odd situation there. But going back to Aaron's case, your guess is as good as mine, man. This whole thing, I mean, I can't sit here and tell you that the alternate dimensional slipping in and out of this dimension you can't you can't, you can't rule that out no because, because it's i mean that guy does a great job about of explaining the, it yeah he does and it's about the only possible thing that could make sense it really does i mean it kind of explains how they're just kind of set there yeah like it, hey i just took my boots off where the hell did they go and you don't realize and like he said it may have been you know a day for him where he's at mm-hmm. but it's been weeks mm-hmm. six months a year well, you know, I like the idea that maybe he got another pair of boots from the cache, but he didn't go to the cache. Right. He, that's the thing. Yeah. They, he never would have, his friends would have known. Well, if he had gone to the cache, they would have found a sleeping bag too, because well, you're not going to be out there true. without a sleeping bag. Yeah. 
And I mean, just the fact that, I mean, I don't. You're looking at where the boots were found to where the energy drink and the thermos is found is six miles, right? Five to six miles of shale, shale rock underneath a foot and a half of snow. Basically in sock feet. <clears throat> yeah. You're talking die hard as they shoot the windows out. Yeah. Like, Your feet will be hamburger. No, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, And eventually that hamburger that you're leaving all over the rocks is going to attract a bear. Well, true. And the fact that regardless if he did that, there's no way he could travel fast enough to where somebody wouldn't have found him. Right, They're and flying like, helicopters, over and like it with you thermal said, imaging. The ground's so loose that you take one and you slip <clears> back. You take one, yeah. you slip back, and then imagine that in sock feet. I don't know. I just this one's a head scratcher. I do not have a theory. I have no damn clue what happened. I do like the alternative reality theory that that guy posed, and I agree with the Reddit posters about. It does lead credence that they could be looking to poach or try to get on some elk and try to make them come across into the public land, but it still doesn't account for everything else that we discussed. No, it doesn't. Not at all. So, I don't know. What say you? Though I don't think this fits the typical explanation of a um, missing 411, I just want to point out that the vast majority of missing 411 cases he never says it out loud. But if you know his website and you know what he's researched and the books that he's written, he says it as much as he can without actually saying it. But he assumes that these people go missing due to Bigfoot. He's written books on Bigfoot. He runs a Bigfoot society, but he knows that he can't come right out and say it. I don't think this fits a Bigfoot. But it's the best option I got. It's the best, like, I don't know, man. Like, I just don't know. There's nothing in here that makes sense to me. There's no, it, from the very beginning, there's no reason he should have missed that fork. So, but you're going to tell, like, what, what happened between the time he left his friends and the time he made it to that fork? What happened? that caused him to take a right rather than a left? Was it a mental breakdown? Somebody just out of nowhere, normal, walk a couple miles, have a mental breakdown? Well, I, I mean, there's no explanation. There's nothing that you can tell me that's going to make sense out of this. If you have a theory, please, please let me know. I got nothing, man. I, I have no idea. Well, there you go. We just leave you with a bunch of craziness. So, recommendations? I'm going to recommend you get your butt on YouTube and go and look up Missing 411 and then the Missing 411 The Hunted. Both are excellent documentaries, and they are both free. It says free with ads, but I watch both of them with no ads. So, If you have Prime, they're free on there, too. The, the first one, <clears throat> the, the Hunted is. The not Hunted is amazing. First the first one... It's really about Dior Coons, which is an interesting story. Not taking any way, anything away from that, but it's the majority of the documentary is him. The Hunted has a good 25-minute segment on Aaron, and it's well done. It's much better than what we've done. So if you have any interest in this case whatsoever, get on there and watch 
Missing 411, The Hunt. It's about halfway in is Aaron's uh yeah, Aaron's profile. Case. So the first one's kind of odd too. That the older oh, they're all odd. Yeah, the thing at the end with the uh, the predator. Yeah, that's freaking crazy. Yeah, it is. All right, so my recommendation is look up Survivor Man Les Stroud on YouTube. He has a whole sub channel on his channel that he has devoted to the Survivor Man Bigfoot series, and he interviews a lot of people that were in those first two episodes that were on discovery and those interviews are tremendous if you are interested in bigfoot they are it's well done and like most people that i think les does a good job of not coming out and saying hey i'm you know i'm chasing bigfoot but i'm chasing he states i'm chasing an anomaly i've had things happen to me that i can't explain so i want to see if i can find out what's going on he He keeps an open mind, and I think that's what I like about him. And he tries through everything that he encounters to find a logical explanation for, and he'll tell you, I don't have one. That incident he talks about in Alaska when he is 1,000% alone, and he hears what he describes as an ape sound close to him in the middle of the night, in the middle of nowhere, Alaska. You're like... I don't know. Like that's pretty well, much what convinced him that they're out there is. The other thing is there's some earlier episodes of the original Survivor Man where he's setting up camp and you can he he dissects it and you can see like trees and shrubs moving and you can see him get up, look back over there like the hell's over there. Mm-hmm. But he goes back and he never he, and he says, you know, looking back now, there definitely was something over there. So again, if you're interested in Bigfoot, check out the Survivor Man YouTube channel. He has a ton of videos out there. Well, I think our next case needs to be the mystery of how this basement can be 40 degrees when it's 75 outside. But in the summertime, we're in here sweating our nuts off. Yeah, in the off. summertime, it's like 80 in here. When it's, yeah. uh, I don't understand what's going on. There's, I'm looking at insulation. It's not like it's not insulated. But yeah, it is. It could use a woman's touch, but I mean, other than that, it's just a basement. Well, also, if you have have kindness in your heart, please give us a five-star review. Please donate to our Patreon. Please uh, give us a shout-out. Please get a friend to, you know, to uh, look us up. Please reach out to us on any of our social medias. We'd love to hear from you if you have a case idea. Please just get a hold of us, man. We love interacting with our with our listeners. And thanks to uh, Jennifer Clickenbeard. I did not say this at the beginning of the episode. Oh, but here we go. She come through in a clutch. <laughs> and She's awesome, by the way. Reminded Coach that I was talking about Jack Reacher, the Lee Child books. And Forrest Gump. Coach says it's still Forrest Gump. So just so y'all know. Tom Hanks was not Jack Reacher. No, Tom Cruise was. (laughs) All right, ladies and gentlemen, tune in next week when we have some more crazy shit. Uh, You got anything else there, Slappy? No. All right, man. Well, deuces.